0: Turning your Bibles to Colossians chapter three. We come to a wonderfully practical message this morning. In a New Testament age, when a relationship with the Lord is driven, or should be driven uh, much more by love and devotion than by command and principle, we come to a passage of Scripture that answers much of our prayers. God, what do you want me to do? So it gives a very clear what to do. And we respond by saying, not that one. Or whoa, that wasn't what I was thinking. You couldn't quite possibly mean you really want me to do this. But it's right here, a very clear message. And I would say that much of what I'm going to say this morning is going to fly in the face of of, both, of our, both our culture here in the West and the world as a reality, and probably even fly in the face of much of the Christian home. We're not exempt uh, as Christians from secular tendencies of thought that would leave us possibly rejecting even the teaching of Scripture in this area, or at least trying to take it and put a modern spin on it. We're prone to think like a culture that screams a message of independence and, rebellions and rebellion against not only all authority. Think about this. A culture that screams independence and rebellion against not only all authority, but really anyone influencing us contrary to our will. What we think as Christians, young people, Christians, well sure we're supposed to be under authority... But then we really fly uh, in, in rage sometimes in the face of anyone that would say, or, or at least in our thoughts, fly in rage thinking, how dare you tell me to do this or that and it's contrary to our will. This is a controversial message, this Colossians three passage, because even if you agree with it this morning, upon applying it tomorrow, you will surely encounter controversy either within your own heart Are those around you observing the application of such a message? So this demands that we put on our biblical thinking caps. and Consider it from scripture. Opening our blind eyes by the grace of God and conforming ourselves to the power of Christ in us. To the clear and blessed commands of our Father in heaven. So with that I would like to open once more with prayer and ask for God's grace to help us see this from scripture. Lord, we, we ask so often for you to give us a clear word as to what would be pleasing to you and you do so this morning here in Colossians 3. May we not pass over it lightly. May we not put a, our own personal spin or cultural or modern spin upon this teaching, but may we take it as given clearly in Scripture, may we see it, and how it's to be applied through the entire counsel of Scripture. Open our eyes, Lord, soften our hearts. Regardless of age, every one of us, to one extent or another, is a child in this room. And yet we ask and pray, Lord, that I would ask and pray specifically that the children, those that are of age that are still underneath their parents' home, might hear clearly this message this morning. And for those of us children that are now parents with children underneath us, help us, Lord, to see the truth here as it applies in some ways to our parents still how we should relate to them. But even more so, how it applies and how we should relate to you as our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Colossians 3, 20. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. ESV. In ASB, children, be obedient to your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord children obey your parents in all things for this is well pleasing unto the Lord KJV go with me to Ephesians 6 let's look at the corresponding passage to this given almost the exact same command tacked on a little bit more children Ephesians 6 1 children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right and this is what he tacks on that he doesn't give in Colossians honor your father and mother This is the first commandment with a promise quote. That's a quote, obviously, from Exodus. So here we have in Colossians uh, a very small verse, and yet one that is really packed. For instance, there's some controversial words here. Almost every one of them. Children, that's a controversial word. Obey, even more so. How about the phrase, in everything? Everything. For this pleases the Lord. The passage is addressing children. And more specifically I would say this passage is addressing children. That are within a Christian home. And even more specifically than that. This would be addressing Christian children. That are in a Christian home. But that leaves us with the obvious question. And the one that we immediately fly to. When we hear something of such uh, strict command. Which is what constitutes in this passage a child? Are you a child if you're 22 years old, or 18 years old, or 25 years old, or 14 years old, are you a child only up to your 12? And then, using the Jewish system, you're now an adult at 13? Is it by maturity? Are you a child, no longer a child, when you reach some level of maturity? Is it by social station? I'm no longer a child now because I'm a parent. Is it it when you're no longer under a direct authority? If you're no longer within your parents' home, but you're unmarried. What What is Paul addressing here? And I would say that Paul, I think, is mainly addressing children within the home, but, large underline, To differing degrees, it is also my opinion that if you take the whole counsel of Scripture, Paul is addressing all children regardless of age. Because we are all children, even if our parents are no longer living, we are still children, and our Heavenly Father is still living and will always be living. If your parents are unbelievers, they're still your parents. And we will address uh, in the next question here in a minute, what does it mean to uh, obey But it is clear that the Apostle Paul is addressing all children, and I would say, and I noted, to differing degrees. So I'm not sitting here saying that if you are 50 years old and your parents are still living, and they tell you, I want you to buy the red car instead of blue one, you have to buy the red one. But there is a level of degree to which this passage is speaking why would i say that and i would say that because of exodus 20 verse 12 which we know as honor your father mother the fifth commandment so the obedience came after the honoring and this is why paul says it in ephesians 6 1 honor your father and mother now the question becomes what is honoring look like but it's clear regardless of your age there is to be a relationship with your parents that is marked by honor and to a certain degree or different degrees it is marked by obedience and we can certainly see this as a spiritual aspect of our childhood with the lord as well we're all children of god and therefore subject to obey him and will be put under discipline if we do not obey we're all called to look to Christ above man, we are all called to love Him to such an extent that all other love looks like hate in comparison. If anyone comes to Me does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be My disciple. And in that verse, Luke fourteen twenty six, is much of the difficult is where much of the difficulty lies, because we do not want to die to ourselves to the point that we'll put ourselves under authority that God has given us, including his. Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And let me say, children, that if you are unmarried and still within your parents' home, the blessing that has been bestowed upon you is to such a high extent so I just said, if you are a, a young person still within a Christian home underneath your parents, the blessing that has been afforded to you is such a high extent, it is almost unmatched in scripture. There are very few other places in scripture where we can hear directly, if you, hear, if you do this, you are well-pleasing to God and this is one of them. The blessing of a Christian home, no matter how imperfect your parents may be, awards you the fact that you are the most blessed of all children. Irregardless of your social status, rich, poor, homeless, middle class, your physical well-being, disabled, sick, well, healthy, you are the most blessed, according to Scripture, if you are being raised in a Christian home, which I assume is the majority of all of us here. Because what could be more important than to hear the gospel and see re- re- repentance and reconciliation worked out in the family on a day-to-day basis? No matter how imperfect it is worked out, it's it is there, what is not normal in most other homes. Psalm 103:17. but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children you have an immense blessing from God by being in a home that is labeled as Christian. If you have a Bible in your home and it is cracked open, even a couple times a year, you are more blessed than maybe any other child out there in any other circumstance. You might be, you, you might be in a homeless shelter with a mother who opens her Bible and reads it to you at night You would be more blessed than the individual who has his parents with millions and millions of dollars, does everything he possibly wants to do, and goes everywhere he wants to be with whomever he wants to be with. You are more blessed according to Scripture. And Scripture is the authority. Now, also, children, though you're underneath your parents' authority, you are not absolved from your own actions. You are responsible for your actions. And you are not absolved due to age or maturity from the mistakes you make or do not make. Proverbs 20, verse 11. Even a child makes himself known by his acts, whether his conduct is pure and upright. According to scripture, Christian children have a high and noble calling. Psalm 127, 3. Children, you are a heritage from the Lord. Heritage meaning you're given by God for the glorious praise of his name for future generations. You are a gift and you have a high and noble calling to carry what God has given you through your parents, the teaching of scripture to future generations. Children are loved by Jesus. Matthew 19, 14, let the little children come to me. You're very, this is, this, and I'll, I'll show this in a minute. There are very few places in scripture, this is probably the one where children are given a direct command. Otherwise, children are really not addressed much in scripture. The parents are, marriages are, but children are not. But here, you're given a direct command and you're shown in scripture, God, God you have a high place. You have a very important position in the home To model the gospel. No matter how young you are or old you are. If you're a child you have an extremely important position. To model the gospel. And Christ loves children. Go with me to Matthew 18.3. I just want to point something out about the gospel. And children that is very interesting here. Matthew 18.3. I've always, I've always wondered about this. And then in the study of this Colossians 3 passage, seemed to get some clarity on it. And I trust it will help you as well. Matthew 18, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, if you look over at Ephesians 5, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And there's the point that I think Christ is making. You children have, you were drawn out as a picture by God of of humble imitation. If you notice, I, we're doing this with Brendan right now. He's nine months old. Way bye-bye. What does he do? And we think it's so cute. Say bye-bye. He tries to say da-da-da-da. The Children imitate us. That's how they learn. More caught than taught. They, they watch. They learn. They imitate. And we are, children, you're set forth as an example of that because that's what we're supposed to be like with Christ. We're to see him and imitate. See him and imitate. See him and do. He does this, we do it. He says this, that's the way we should say it. He has that attitude, that's the attitude we should have. And children, you, you have that gift from the Lord. That's the way he has designed us to learn. And that's what's a picture, you're a picture of the gospel in that that's how we should be with Christ. And that's how you should be with Christ. children are imitators we are we are to become like little children to enter the kingdom because they are imitators followers we are to be imitators followers of Christ now let's go back to the colossians 3 and what does it mean children obey children obey i went through scripture yesterday and i looked up in the concordance all the verses i could find that have my son in them or children in them. And if you total them up, there's over 500 verses with those. And sometimes my son or children are mentioned in the same verse. But there's over 500 verses that at least I could find And I know there's more than that, that children are spoken of. But I could only find in scripture between 27 and 30 verses where children are actually given a direct instruction. This is one of them. But very few other times in scripture are you children told or are us children told what to do. Normally it's parents that are given the instruction, father and mother. But here's one of them is in this Colossians 3. Another one that, that shows the, um, the weight of this is obviously in, fee, in Exodus 20, honor your father and mother. This is, this is one of the 10 commandments. And I would note, it's the first commandment that has to do with horizontal relationships. The first four have to do with our relationship with the Lord. Your relationship with your parents is of such a high and lofty calling that it's put at number five, the first among anything to do with peer-to-peer social relationships. Now, this, obviously, this command to obey puts a lot of the emphasis on the parents. Parents, we must teach our children... ...to obey, they must be taught, they cannot be expected to know how to do it, there's foolishness in the heart of a child, there's immaturity in the thinking of a child, this is shown clearly in scripture, and maturity in growing up comes with age, but it comes as you teach them the blessing of obedience to God, so we normally think, well I told him a million times, don't do that, well you tell him again, and you teach him why you're telling him not to do it, you teach him why obedience is blessed by God... And is blessed when those appointed by God as authorities over him are obeyed. The the obedience of children, children, you need to know that your obedience to your parents is so lofty that it will disqualify your father from serving in the church if you disobey. First Timothy three four habitually disobey. He must manage his own house. This is Paul telling Timothy. About officers in the church. He must manage his own household well. With all dignity. Keeping his children submissive. So parents. We're to teach our children to obey. And submit to us. Not just so that others can say. Wow you have great well mannered children. But because God has commanded. That they do so. And you want them. To obey you and submit to you. As to honor God first. Before they honor you. And yet I would also say, parents, if your children disobey, you do not bear the guilt of their sin. Deuteronomy 24, 16, fathers should not be put to death because of their children, nor children be put to death because of their fathers. And yet you're also held responsible for teaching them. And you will bear some of the consequences of their sin, such as you may not be able to serve in as the officer of the church let, let, let's look at some of these verses of command directed to children and i've got a lot of them listed out but just for sake of time let's go to proverbs um, turn your bibles to proverbs 1 almost all the direct commands given to children are in proverbs a few in psalms one or two in psalms this one in Colossians in the New Testament, but almost everything else, and in Ephesians, but almost everything else is in Proverbs. So let's look at some of them. Proverbs 1, verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. Well, here's a direct uh, definition of what this word obey means. It means to listen, then respond to the command. My son, hear my words. My son, listen to my words. That means, children, that you've got to listen to your parents. And not just listen, you're to hear what they're saying and respond accordingly. You can say, well, I heard you. But if you didn't do it, you really didn't didn't hear them. Proverbs 1, verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Verse 15 of Proverbs 1. My son, do not walk in the way with them, meaning sinners. Hold back your foot from their paths. And this assumes that you're going to comply with Colossians 3 and obey. But we have some clear teaching in Scripture, direct commands given to children. Proverbs 2, verse 1 My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear, here's the definition of obedience, attentive, listening, hearing, responding accordingly to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Proverbs 3, 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Proverbs 3, verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of reproof. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Proverbs 3, verse 21. Children, you want a long life? Proverbs 4, verse 10. Hear, my son, accept my words that the years of your life may be many. And they go on and on in Proverbs Proverbs 27.11 Be wise my son and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. Children, obedience to your parents is a sign or a test of how you're doing with your obedience to God. With how you're doing in your obedience to God. It's a very serious thing in scripture to obey or not to obey. So if you approach it flippantly, you're probably approaching your relationship with the Lord flippantly. There are consequences, biblically, to not obeying your parents. And this is the one that we would probably normally trot out when we come to disobedience, would be Deuteronomy 21. Let's go over there. And then we're going to show you the New Testament version of that, just to make sure that we're not seeing it just as something that would happen in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 21, verse 18. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son, listen to this, who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So in the Old Testament, if you were disobedient, habitually, death awaited you. First Samuel 15, 23 disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft we're told disobedience is obedience is on such a high pedestal that disobedience requires an extremely um harsh hard punishment second timothy three would be the new testament version of deuteronomy 21 that shows how Much emphasis is put on obedience, and how disobedience to parents is regarded as something as horrible as the sin of witchcraft. but understand this due to second Timothy three, that in the last days there will become, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of flesh, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. So when your parents say, Don't be like Johnny, who's disobeying his mommy and daddy, what they're telling you is avoid such people because the scriptures are saying those people will be people that are not following God. That's how much obedience is held to such a high and lofty calling. Obedience to your parents pleases the Lord. As you see in Colossians 3, let's go back there. Children, if you want to uh, to serve God and you want to know how to do so right now in your home whether you're 5 years old or 10 or 20 obey your parents and well, look at the beautiful picture of the gospel that you present to the world through the Christian family when you obey your parents you are showing that you believe and have faith that obedience to your parents as unto the Lord is something that is pleasing trust and obey there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey we know that Hymn of the Faith. Disobedience of children, I think, is a pretty strong sign of the apostasy of our Western culture, really the culture at large across the world, and is a direct barometer of how we're doing. We've abandoned the one true God. We sought after other, other gods, sought after other gods, and the disobedience of children is clearly a sign of that abandonment because we're not obeying the Deuteronomy principle, which would be to teach our children. Wherever they are, the fear and admonition of the Lord teach them how to walk before the God. But I would also say that uh, as Christians, we cannot expect uh, unbelievers to have obedient children. We oftentimes walk into Walmart. Did you see those people in Walmart and those kids just mouthing off to the. That's all they know what to do. That's their nature. That was my nature. And that was your nature at one point as well. Because they're, they're children of the devil. The children of the father of lies and deception, and I was once one of those as well. Ephesians two two tells me this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That was me, and that was you. We cannot expect them to display obedience, but rather thank God for the grace He's given us and help them to see the, help them to see the. The joy that comes in obeying Christ as their Lord and Savior. And accepting him for what he has done for them upon the cross. Giving them the gospel. As Colossians 3, children obey. Or to Children, you are to listen and to honor and to comply with the commands of your parents. We see your parents. And this is assuming, parents, that you are the ones giving the instruction to your children. At least the majority of time. There's an authority structure pointed out here that we don't like. We have fathers over wives and then children. And I would say to parents, parents, it is clear in scripture, just if no for no other reason, by the percentages of things talked about to parents in the marriages as compared to children, that your marriage is of far greater importance than your relationship with your children. And in fact, keeping your children, walking before the Lord, is, is in many ways dependent upon how your marriage is doing parenting is a wonderful wonderful blessing from the Lord but not at the expense of the marriage keep your marriage strong or you will be in a weak position for parenting now children consider this thought from Richard Baxter now Richard Baxter is a Puritan pastor and if you want to know B- Baxter's thought on about everything possible to know about you can get volume one of Baxter's practical works, A Christian Directory. Now you're not going to be able to read this from here. I can barely read it from here. But it's size, about eight font, double, double column, over 900 pages. Baxter has a lot to say about how life should be lived as a Christian. And this is what he says to, parents, to children. Children, listen to this. Consider also that your parents' government, your parents' government, is necessary to your own good. It is a government of love as your bodies would have perished if your parents of some or some others had not taken care of you when you could not help yourselves. So your minds would be untaught and ignorant, even like to brutes, if you had not others to teach and govern you. Nature teacheth the chickens to follow the hen and all things when they are young to be led and guided by their parents or else what would become of them. Consider also that they must be accountable. Children, consider that your parents must be accountable to God for you. And if they leave you to yourselves, it may be their destruction as well as yours. So if you're 18 years old and your father is getting on you and you don't like that, consider the fact that he knows more and has been given that authority. And in fact, your destruction may await if he does not speak to you. And Baxter's next question in his book is, "But what if I'm older?" He addresses this. "But perhaps you will say that though little children must be ruled by their parents, yet you're grown up to riper age and are wise enough to rule yourselves." I answer, "God doth not think so, or else he would have not set governors over you. And are you wiser than God?" It is but a few in the world that are wise enough to rule themselves, else God would have not set princes, magistrates, pastors, teachers over them as he hath done. God loveth you better than to leave you masterless as knowing that youth is rash and inexperienced. The Bible places a very, very, very high view of obedience in the parent-child relationship. And irregardless of your age, your parents carry a strong weight that should be very much considered now we enter into the difficult question of children obey your parents in all things in everything and this assumes children and parents that the previous verses of all of Colossians on the lordship of Christ are being worked out we're assuming here that parents according to uh, Colossians three verse twelve. You are putting on holy and beloved compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So we're assuming that what you're giving here is biblical commands, and this means, children, that regardless of whether or not the commands are agreeable or disagreeable, or easy or difficult, if they're if they're not against scripture, you're to obey them. John Calvin. But for what purpose does Paul employ a term of universality in all things or in everything? uh, John Calvin, I answer, again, that is to show that obedience must be rendered not merely to just commands, but also to such as are unreasonable. That means, children, you're to obey even if it's unreasonable. I just took out the trash and it's raining. Doesn't seem reasonable to take out the trash. You're to obey. For many make themselves compliant with the wishes of their parents only where the command is not grievous or inconvenient. But on the other hand, this one thing ought to be considered by children that whoever may be their parents, they have been allotted to them by the providence of God in all things, therefore, to obey in all things, therefore, that they may not refuse anything, however difficult or disagreeable. We know according to Acts five twenty nine. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. So we certainly do have a hierarchy here. But if you're looking for a loophole in the text to say, now, I don't have to obey here. There really isn't one other than you're to obey God rather than man. And that would assume that you're mature enough in the Bible and mature enough in your faith that you can spot when you're being given a command that is directly against scripture. And most of us as children are not that mature and know enough of our Bibles. So there's not much of a loophole here. in fact, I I wrote it in here in my notes, the loophole is for the less than 1%. There's very few children that were mature enough. That's why God gave us parents to know whether or not it's a command or not. We should be seeking seeking the Lord. But very rarely are these, is there a loophole that says, you know, that just seems so disagreeable. I don't have to do that." that. There's not that loophole here. You know, they say, I think you should. You need a car, um, you don't have the money for a car, go rob, uh, go steal a car. That's obviously, obviously something you're not going to do. But if they're going to say, you don't have a car, you don't have the money for a car, you need a car, so you're going to have to work all summer in 100-degree heat mowing lawns in order to get a car, that seems so disagreeable. Why can't you just let me use your car? Hmm? That's something you're going to have to respond to. Now, I haven't seen anything in my study of scripture on this that would allow a child of any age or maturity, not married, living under the roof or authority of their parents to disobey unless commanded to do something contrary to God's word. So if you're underneath the parents' home and you are unmarried, I don't see anything in scripture that says unless they give you a clear command to do something against scripture that you are to disobey. Now, this is not to say that parents should go around treating their 22-year-old young man or young woman within their home as a two-year-old. But this is not to say that a 22-year-old young man or young woman is allowed to deny a request or even a command of their parent. That's not something you can do. If you want the blessing of God and you want to be outside of sin. It's very clear there. Now, Baxter has one other quote I wanted to read here. On children and an age... And I asked Bob yesterday, if this would stir up too many snakes, but I decided to read it anyway. I'm young and reckless. I like snakes. But how long are children under the command and government of their parents? Okay, this is a question Baxter's posing. How long are children under the command and government of their parents? Is isn't that a question children that we often wanna know? You know, how long do I have to do this? Is there a day that comes when I don't have to do this anymore? Here's Baxter's response. Now listen carefully. Really put on your ears for this one. There are several acts and degrees of parents' government according to the several ends and uses of it. Some acts of their government or rule or authority over you are but to teach you to go and speak. That's why they teach you. Put the napkin on the left, the fork on the left, the cup. You know, good manners. That's one end of their authority. Some to teach you your labor and calling, how to work hard how to use the talents God's given you, etc. Some to teach you good manners and the fear of God or the knowledge of the scriptures. And some are to settle you in such a course of living in which you shall need their nearer oversight no more. Your parents are to help you determine what your means of living should be so that you're not dependent upon their oversight any longer. When any one of these ends are fully attained and you have all that your parents' government can help you to, then you are past that part of their government. So, once you learn your manners, you're past that part of your government. They're expecting you to do it, and they may have to remind you. And once you are living on your own, and you have your own uh, course of living, or your own life, livelihood, uh, you're past that aspect of the government. Baxter continues, But still you owe them not only love and honor and reverence, but obedience obedience also in all things in which they are still appointed for your help and guidance, even when you are married from them, and though you have a propriety in your own estates and they have not so strict a charge of you as before, yet if they command you your duty to God or them, you are still obliged to obey them. Woo, woo, tough. You mean when I'm 31 and I have four kids and I go home, my dad says, Cody, did you please take out the garbage? I gotta do that? Yep. I do. It's honoring to my parents. Now, my, my father, uh, just practically in my personal relationship with my father, my father's not going to say, Cody, you know what? That red coat you're wearing is not, doesn't look good. You've got to wear the blue one. He's not going to say that. He's probably going to look at me and go, that's a, a really red coat. But he's not going to, because there's, there's a natural maturation process that happens. But there, there are, there are what I, what I, the reason I read this from Baxter is simply to show that Scripture, the Puritans, theologians throughout time, see according to Scripture that obedience and a parent-child relationship as it is modeled by honor and respect is of immense importance. Why? Because it models the gospel and our submission and honor and respect and love to Christ. It is is very, 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 very important. To the point that even though married, having your own property and estates, you are still to honor them. If my father came to me and said, Cody, your sin, stop that. Don't do that. Obviously it says unto God, but I am commanded to do that. So, just to point out very strongly that this command of children, obey your parents, as I said at the beginning, to differing degrees, applies to every one of us. Now, we have in closing here, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. And when God is pleased, peace within us, peace that passes all understanding, harmony, uh, happiness, those things follow when God is pleased. And I noted that What could be better than to have an omnipotent and all-powerful God be pleased with you? Whether you're of three years of age or 30 years of age, you can gain God's pleasure by this principle, honor your father and mother, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. God is pleased with you. And that's one of a very small handful of verses in scripture where you can see if you do this, you get God's pleasure. And we've been noting on Tuesday nights and with our study of the attributes of God, God is immense, and the fact that he would be pleased with you should blow your mind and think, I, I want to do that. That God would be pleased with what I'm doing, the blessings of God that will come from there. Christian children have a lifelong commitment to their parents that is well-pleasing to God. First Timothy 5.4 But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. That's, another, that's one of the other few handfuls where he shows God's pleased with a parent-child relationship is when that is marked by honor. I love when Scripture puts the same verses and the same chapters. 2 John 1.4, 3 John 1.4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. This is, this is a joyous thing for parents to see their children Children, to see your parents bring have much joy when they see you obeying them um, as unto the Lord, to see that you are walking according to the what they have taught you to do, according to the scriptures. Even as imperfect as their teaching may have been, that brings them great joy. Remember this uh, little, little song, Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. You remember singing that when you were a little kid? Doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately. The joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Remember that one? Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. You want to show the world of your faith and commitment to Jesus Christ as a young person? And you may not be able to go as a 10-year-old to the far reaches of the world and share the gospel. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Gains the pleasure of the Lord, and you show the world that you're committed to the authority structures that He set before you, and the blessings that come. You know, the, um, Baxter, uh, Calvin, many others have pointed out. There's really never a, a, a position in Scripture. There's very few positions in Scripture where you're not called to submit your will to someone or something. You're to die to self continually, and this is just a continuation of that. That showing that you're dying to yourself. You're following the ways of God and the ways of God, children, are that he would have someone over you in mercy, in grace that would show you how to follow him and teach you and be an imitator of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Before we close, let's look at one passage example in scripture where we see disobedience and the loftiness of obedience. Go with me to 1 Samuel 15. In closing here, First Samuel fifteen. So as you flip there, I, I just want I want to admonish you that this is an encourage. This should be an encouraging verse to young people. It may be difficult, but it should be encouraging. In that you're able to see, I model the gospel and submission to Jesus Christ to the world, well, however small or big my world may be, when I obey my parents. That this is well pleasing to God. That this has a high and lofty calling to it. That this is, it, I'm not just a child. You are a child that has been given a great and wonderful admonition from the Lord, a command from the Lord. Okay, First Samuel verse 15. Saul is out preparing to fight Israel's enemies and supposed to be making, uh, supposed to have, Taken everything and just wiped it completely out. And Samuel comes. And this is what Samuel says. Look for me at 1 Samuel 15. Samuel said to Paul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over this people of Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts. I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way they came out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man, child. Man, woman, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel, donkey. So there's the command given by God to Saul, who's an adult. And yet, uh, this is what he's supposed to clearly do. Go in, wipe them out, nothing's left. So Saul summoned the people, verse four, and numbered them and tell him 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait for the city. And Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah, as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of Amalekites, alive, disobedient, number one, and devoted to a destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fattened calves, and of the lambs, and all that was good, and would not destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back following me, and has not performed my commandments." Samuel was angry and cried to the Lord all night. Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning and it was told Samuel, Samuel, come to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel said to Saul and Saul said to him, blessed be, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? You know, our disobedience, just a note here, irregardless of age, it, it, it defies common sense. I mean, you, can you really believe Saul's doing this? I did everything. Mm-hmm. Well, have you you got to be thinking in the back of my mind, how am I going to shut up 15,000 or whatever amount of animals from making any noise? And that's so often the way it is with our disobedience. I'm not going to get away with this one. This one's not going to be obvious. This one's common sense. Then Samuel said to Saul, and this might children remind you of sometime when you said to your parents something that was just not common sense and showed your disobedience and they said to you, Stop! I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. Saul had common sense to say, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are a little in your own eyes and are not the head of the tribes of Israel, are, though you are a little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the, Lord, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Disobedience, there's never a reason for it. Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone on the mission in which the Lord sent me. I brought Agag, the king of Amalekite, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep, oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. That's a good excuse. This is for God. I disobeyed for God. And this is the point I want to make. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better to sacrifice. Our obedience to God first and then to those that God has put in authority over us is better than any sacrifice that has ever been made. This delights, this pleases the Lord better than any offering that the Israelites ever took to confess their sins. This is pleasing to the Lord, our obedience to him. And if he has put an authority over you, which every one of us have an authority to some extent, he has called us to obey them as unto him. And when we do not do that, we disobey him. And as you see here, in First Samuel fifteen, the disobedience of Samuel caused uh, disobedience of Saul caused um, the remorse of God and Samuel to weep. God has called us to be in authority; it be un- to be in submission to Him first, and our obedience is what is very delightful to Him. So, in closing. Colossians 3, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. This is well-pleasing to the Lord. I would encourage you children that are still within the home and all of us as uh, children, if we have parents, even if we don't, honoring the Lord ought to honor our father and mother is the first commandment with a promise and much is given to us as those promises would pertain to. And then children, if you're still within the home, obey your parents, not just because they said so, But because if you are in a Christian home and you are a Christian, you are a follower of Christ and he's commanded you to do this. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. I think the song got it right and I think scripture shows that very clearly. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to have come to scripture and seen um, a way in which we might be able to gain your pleasure. And Lord, obedience is not something that is easy. And I pray for those that are within still the direct authority of their parents. That you would give them to grace to obey as unto you. To die to themselves. To not do that which they want to do. But to submit themselves to the authorities you put over them. I pray for us as children that are have our own children. That you would give us the grace to know how we might best be able to honor our father and our mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. You put that very high up as something that would be pleasing to you and to do. It is a command to honor our father and mother. Help us to know how to do that. There, I know, Father, are families here that do not have Christian fathers and mothers. And those of us that do are greatly blessed, but help, us, help those that do not have Christian fathers and mothers to know how to honor them because the command still applies we trust father that your grace will be abundant for this command we trust father that you will you will your promises will hold true that you will be pleased with this and we might we might gain the blessing of the lord when we do such when we obey as you've commanded us we thank you lord for the day you've given us in jesus precious name we pray amen